and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a lot going on in the Big Ten to talk about. I do apologize, we're starting late because literally like a half hour ago, we had to change a topic in this episode because I got some juicy information from somebody who's pretty plugged in. It's actually kind of their job to be plugged in. And so we're going to talk about that here soon, but we're also going to talk about Sharon Moore is the new head coach at Michigan. Some people are leaving Michigan, and it could be pretty impactful. So we're going to talk about what could that mean for the Michigan program? What does that mean for the Big Ten overall? Uh, And then we're also going to talk about Oregon. Oregon is one of the teams coming in from the Pac-12, and they are coming in hot, right? They had a good offseason. We're going to talk about what's going on there. And then last but not least, we're going to talk about who is the next Big Ten head coach ready to jump from college football to the NFL. But before we get to that, I'm going to introduce our guests. Let them tell them about you a little bit or let them tell them about themselves to you <laughs> a little bit and where you can find them at. Justin, why don't you start us off? Yep. And uh y'all probably seen me on here before. Hope my volume's okay. I sounded kind of loud there. Um yeah, my name is Justin Adams. Uh you can follow me on X at the underscore H Town Husker. Um, I've been on here for the month of January, and you can also find me over at Nebraska Football at the Voice of College Football and uh, recent, most recent venture, uh, the Big Ten Show. It's at Big Ten Show on X and YouTube to check out uh, what we got going on over there. So I uh, appreciate, you know, JR for having me back on and having me on for this month. Man, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we're, we're going to have another guest next month, but we'll we'll continue to bring Justin back on. Justin's sure. uh, valuable to us here and with his own big 10 show we got to make sure we uh we cross paths as much as we possibly can absolutely all right b soul you want to tell people about you where they can find you at yeah i'm uh b soul part of the uh sully scoop uh trio on the uh, podcast you'll see uh t soul also on here with me uh today uh you can catch me on x at uh at the real b soul um love nebraska football love talking big 10 football and uh, thanks for having us back on, Jr. Of course, T. Soul, you want to at least tell people about you. They know your podcast, but tell them about you. Yeah, you guys know I'm with the Sully Scoop here. You can find the Sully Scoop at Sully underscore Scoop. B. Soul just mentioned, you know, we're three brothers. We just dive in everything Nebraska football. So there you go. Awesome. We do want to remind you the Big Ten Huddle is brought to you by Big Banter Sports. BigBanterSports.com. Go there for all your Big Ten media needs, and also please do like and subscribe to. The Big Ten Huddle on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast, give us a subscribe or a follow over there. We appreciate it. Uh, we're trying to grow this channel. We're trying to grow Big Ten media and just everything overall. So we appreciate any of you that, that help us do that. All right. So our first topic is Michigan's coaching staff changes. So last week, Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan. That happened like Wednesday or something like that. It literally looked like it was happening so much that we just went ahead and made our topic. Jim Harbaugh has left. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was like, I'm going to make this video and literally next day he's going to leave. So we just went ahead and did that. Well, then later that week, right before the weekend, Sharon Moore accepts the job. News comes out. Jesse Mentor is leaving. Jay Harbaugh is leaving. And then the Monday morning news that kind of riled people up, rattled some feathers, is that Ben Herbert, the strength and conditioning coach, is also leaving to go to the Chargers with Jim Harbaugh. Now. There's been a lot of speculation. Whose fault is this? Is it, you know, Jim Harbaugh's fault? Is this Ward Manuel's fault? Uh, is it Ben Herbert just have a dream to do strength and conditioning in the NFL? Who knows? Is it nobody's fault? Uh, and it's just kind of what happens. Who knows? 
Um, I if the guys want to speculate on whose fault it is, we can do that. I don't really think any of us have inside info on no. that, so I don't know how valuable it is. But I do want to start off with this question: Out of those coaches who have left, and if there is another coach you believe might leave, uh, who do you think would be the most impactful, or has been the most impactful loss for Michigan? So far, Justin, why don't you start us off? Well, it depends on which angle you look at it because, you know, Jim Harbaugh, of course, leaving was expected, right? Probably by staff, players alike. Losing, um, you know, oh my God, why am I drawing a blank? Mentor was, uh, was pretty much a done deal. Like that was pretty, that almost seemed like a package deal when Harbaugh was gone, that Mentor would be gone as well. I think in terms of just the magnitude of the move and the shock of the move, I think Ben Herbert's loss is going to be more impactful because we've seen the players on Twitter already kind of being a little bit vocal about how they felt about it overall um, and not really uh, in a good way. You know, even Alex Orgy posted, you know, a, a forget what it would exactly post like a sad face or something like that. Yeah. So I, I saw something about all the posts and, and seeing them. So I think that just in terms of it potentially causing a, a friction in the locker room and players potentially choosing to leave. Uh, I, cause I think when they hired Sharon Moore, that was the best possible move that they could have made with a short term, just to keep that player, keep that locker room the way it was, keep those players in house with a staff that they trust. So it, it's it'll be curious to see if they can land somebody in there that can help them keep some of these guys. But um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because it seemed like he was very, very well liked with within that locker room with those players and, and staff. So, yeah, just in that regard. But uh, it's got to be, you know, overall, it's got to be Harbaugh is the biggest, biggest loss, of course. Yeah, no, I think, you know, Harbaugh is definitely the biggest one and anybody who takes with him kind of just adds to that, right? Beasel, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think Justin hit the uh, nail on the head there. I honestly think when you when you start to look at it, I think in the long run here, probably the biggest, um, biggest loss for Michigan is going to be Ben Herbert. Uh, last three years, what you can point to and look at this Michigan team, their strength and conditioning has really taken them to that next step to allow them to really kind of enforce their will, especially last year when you saw them playing in the Big Ten against a majority of the teams there. They were hands down the best team in the trenches, which is where you need to win. And so Ben Herbert leaving, that's definitely going to hurt. Uh, it does beg the question, though, because I agree with Justin where um, losing Jim Harbaugh is the, you know, obviously the most impactful because you're losing the head of, uh, of your program, but it does make you wonder with the uh, Sharon Moore hire, is this more of a, and I'm just going to draw two comparisons here. Is this more of a um, David Shaw hire where when Jim Harbaugh left Stanford, Shaw stepped in and actually ran the program relatively successful for a handful of years there? Or is this going to be one of those where he's kind of bridging the gap and trying to get the last bit of success out of the program before it kind of falls down and they want to change ways, kind of like um, the way Nebraska did with uh, Frank Solich when they decided to end up pulling the plug on him and probably a little premature. And that started really, um, really our downfall there. 
Yeah, no, there, there are definitely similarities to other things. I have a similarity I, I have thoughts on, but I'll let T-Soul go first. T-Soul, what are your thoughts? Well, Michigan fans, you better plug your ears here because here's what I'm going to tell you. The biggest loss for Michigan is counter stallions. All right. Look, Jim Harbaugh didn't win anything without that guy. He's unproven at Michigan without stealing people's playbooks. Would they have won the Big Ten? Probably. But would they have ran away with it the way that they did? I don't think so. And he left to the NFL before we could even find out because either he thought the NCAA was going to drop the hammer or maybe he just thinks that maybe they were uh, better than what they should have been. I, I feel, smiling ear I to feel ear. Dis- or go ahead, Justin, what you I said you're smiling ear to ear here in that. <laughs> uh, I am. I, I'm have to do something I hate to do, but as the host of the show, I do feel like I, it needs to be said. They did win the national championship yeah. without Connor. After Stallion. the damage was done, though, they're very. Okay. Yeah. I, I can only. <laughs> they're they're so good. I think they're the best. <laughs> you did. You just don't know. It's a whole season. You know, if Maybe they win one game, Florida State's in. Maybe because I'm an Astros fan, I'm a little bit more (laughs) understanding, (laughs) sympathy. Um, No, I think I I think that there are some issues here with Michigan, but I also think that they made the right move, which was hiring Sharon Moore. I mean, you know, we talked we talked a little bit about David Shaw and the uh, how he was able to kind of keep things going for a little while, and I think Sharon Moore has the ability to do that. But I also think. Sharon Moore seems like he has the charisma and he seems like he fits Michigan well enough that they will be able to continue to be, you know, they're not going to turn into Rich Rod days or anything like that, uh, but they can, you know, be a good team who can contend for the Big Ten uh, from time to time like they were with Harbaugh. I mean, there were years where, you know, Michigan would have won the Big Ten if they had just beat Ohio State. And, and I could see that happening where a game between Ohio State and Michigan could decide who goes between goes to the Big Ten Championships. So uh, definitely um, definitely some thoughts there. But the thing that I'm going to compare this to, and I actually was talking to somebody with it on Twitter, um, is Pete Carroll at USC. Uh, somebody was telling me, they were like, what Jim Harbaugh is doing is what every coach does who left. And I said, okay, tell me the last coach who won the national championship relatively close to when they left, went to the NFL, and took most of the staff with them. Who was the last one to do that? And they were like, well, it's such a small list. That was Pete Carroll, and that's the only one who it's like. And I was like, exactly. Yep. Do you really want Michigan to be like USC after Pete Carroll left? Because that's what it's setting up to do. Yeah. Um, and so, again, I'm not trying to be a hater here and say, you know, because obviously I have this logo next to me. Everybody's going to say, you know, JR, you're a hater. Sure, it's fine. Uh, but if I'm looking at this and saying... What has history told us? It's that this is not going to go well. Now it could could still go well. I'll give Sharon Moore his props, um, but but it, it certainly could not go well. And the other piece of that that is a part of it now that wasn't back then with Pete Carroll is that players can leave. And so, B. Soul, my question to you is: We've seen one player leave, right? We saw the Reese at a at today leave uh, for the transfer portal. Uh, he could still, still technically come back, but he's a backup defensive lineman. Um, do we see more guys from Michigan leave in this 30-window period when the portal is open for him? I, I think we absolutely do. I think, and I'm trying to think of the right way here, I think with the coaching staff still kind of being ironed out right now, um, this Michigan team, they might be waiting to see where the uh, 
where the chips fall and where they lay, you know, maybe um, I'm trying to think of um, the third string running back, but for example, I'll use, I'll use Ernest Houseman. Yeah. But so I'll, I'll use a guy that um, at least Justin T. Saul and I are familiar with. Come on back. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, left, went there, found a program that really wanted to use him. They used him in more of a reserve role, but he kind of stepped up towards the end of the season. Is there somebody on that staff that he was connected with who is now no longer going to be there with Sherman Moore? And that's going to lead to him deciding to leave. And I don't think those chips are going to fall until closer to that 30-day window ending, that most of the players are going to have these conversations between their family, between Sharon Moore, and then also between the coaches who were their lifeline to the program. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Uh, Tiso, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree with Tiso here. I mean, there's no doubt there's going to be a lot of guys entering the portal. I mean, you see it every time a coach gets fired, a coach gets hired, you know, places they change. A lot of people, you know, leave their program. You know, even if no change happens, people leave. So I expect you know, a lot of people to submit their names. Justin, is there any way Michigan could end up like Arizona where some of their best players did stay? You know, I'm, I'm thinking of the Fafita quarterback and the, uh, the wide receiver. I can't remember what his name was, but, but they stayed even through yeah. the Jed fish um, coaching change. Is there any possible way we see, uh, you know, all of Johnson, Loveland, Graham, Mason, all of them stay? Yeah, I I think it's going to be a little bit of a more of a middle of the road type of deal because one of the biggest things that we pointed to when Sharon Moore was hired was the fact that it was going to be the short term best move in terms of retaining a lot of the talent they had. I think Sharon Moore has built enough relationships there that he is going to retain a good majority of those players. I do think there are going to be departures. I think the Ben Herbert news actually may springboard a couple of those as well. Uh, maybe a couple of the players that were holding out, you know, um, to see if, you know, not only Harbaugh was going to leave, but if mentor left. There's, there's a lot of different things here, but I think overall damage control wise, this was the best move they could have made to retain their talent. I, so I don't, I still hold firm in that. And um, to your point about the the USC thing too, uh, just to just to counter that a little bit too, it's also like you know if it happened ten times, you know nine out of ten, but happened one time doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen again. And so I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle of those things. I don't think it's going to be as extreme as we would normally see with the coaching change, but in the modern world of the transfer portal NIL, we're going to see some flux. We're probably going to see a couple of the High level guys go, um, but I don't think it's going to be that bad. We also see Sharon Moore over the course of this season, the passion that he has for that university, the love that he has to these players, the emotion that he shows. I don't think it could be understated how big and important that is to those players to see the authenticity of that coach and know that he actually genuinely cares about them. I do think that's going to go a long way. So I think there's a lot of factors into that, but they are going to, you know, they're going to lose some guys, just the nature of the beast. But I don't think it'll be too terribly bad in comparison to other things we've seen. Washington, they're going through it badly. So, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, a lot of what you said, I, I agree with. I wonder how much these players are waiting until, um, you know, they see what kind of sanctions 
come down, right? Yeah. Because um, you know, I and and listen, even Michigan media is saying there will be sanctions. Now, Michigan media disagrees and says that you know it's just going to be a few scholarships, maybe a big fine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what I've heard personally. It's mm-hmm. personally going to be bigger, but you know, for all for all I know, I could be wrong. So yeah. we'll see. You know what it is. I'm not going to sit here and say that you know this is definitely happening and expect the worst. Um, however, there there is a possibility of there being some kind of bull ban. There is a possibility of there being, you know, a large scholarship reduction uh, that could prevent players from feeling like they have a future there. Uh, all those things are possible. And if those things do happen, I'm wondering if that's when we start to see some of these players, you know, go through an exodus of the team. And I think Michigan fans would understand. Um, not to say they would be happy with it, right? Uh, but kind of like Jim Harbaugh leaving, like they understood he wants to go to the NFL, he wants to win there. Um, if sanctions come down and there is a bull ban, you know, I think Michigan fans would understand and say, "We we get it, Kenneth Grant. You're going to Texas, and yeah. you know, you want to go win something. You know, yeah. not that you didn't already win something, but win some some something more." Um, so that's when I feel like this is more likely to happen because. Like I said, Sharon Moore was the right hire, uh, if nothing else, than to keep keep these guys intact. Uh, before we move on to the next question, we have the Ohio Podcast joining us. What's up, Sully's? At least we agree on Harbaugh. <laughs> so you guys have found some common ground. Uh, they also said they can all leave as far as I'm concerned, as long as they don't come to Ohio State. Yeah, we were having a, having a debate Love on that. that on the last Ohio Love Podcast. <laughs> um. So my final question is about expectations for Oregon or Oregon. We'll talk about that in a second. Expectations for Michigan coming into 2024. I was very vocal in saying if Jim Harbaugh stays, Michigan is still my favorite to win the Big Ten. They've won it the past three years. I don't really think you can knock them off, even with those seniors leaving and stuff. Those seniors left in 2021, and you know they still came back in 2022 and won it all uh, in the Big Ten. So. Uh, but I do think that Jim Harbaugh leaving, Jesse Minter leaving, uh, Ben Herbert as well, is affecting my expectations. So I feel like for me personally, I probably have them third or fourth in the Big Ten right now. Tiesel, uh, how has the coaching changes affected your expectations for them? Definitely, definitely affected them. I, I could see Michigan going 9-3, and 10-2. I think that's realistic for them. I think if they get worse you know, eight wins or less, they should be mad, but you know, that's what I think. Yeah. What do you think, Justin? So I actually, um, had this conversation a couple of days ago on their, so their schedule, it's a little difficult. However, I could very well, I said the other day, 10 and two is reasonable. Um, other people were saying, you know, cause they do, I believe they have Oregon. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember who else they have. They have about four, you know, really difficult games, but I had them splitting those two and two. Um, I think 10 and two is very reasonable. I don't think fans would scoff at nine and three just based on that schedule. Eight wins would be pushing it. So I'm, I'm going to go just conservatively, I'll say nine and three. And, um, but it, it gets very dicey at points in that schedule. And, and there's, I, it's not going to take much more news for this to completely just be a landslide of players exiting. So they just got to keep it very, uh, everything where it's at right now and try not to lose any more coaches or anything like that. If they want to stick to that. 
keep it intact. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this really fast, Justin. Um, what is more likely for Michigan? 11 wins or eight wins? Uh, more likely. Oh, man, that's tough. I would probably have to say eight. Just eight. only because right now the most recent news we had is not good for the university. You know, if we were coming off of maybe, you know, losing Ben Herbert is not great. Uh, yeah. If we were coming off of maybe a little bit more of a positive news and the players weren't reacting with negative stuff on Twitter, maybe I'd decide for more for 11. But this is just assuming that maybe some things may happen between now and then that aren't for the better, you know, because that seems to be the trend right now in Michigan. It's damage control at this point. So, yeah, yeah. win the national championship. Uh, what did it cost you? Everything. Uh, yeah. But hey, <laughs> hey, it sounds it. like they're okay with it. And yeah. honestly, I'd be okay with it too if my team won the national championship. That's what you want. That's yeah. what you play for. Uh B Soul, what how have your expectations changed? Um, I I definitely thought even if Harbert uh Jim uh Harbert didn't leave, it would have been the same kind of the same thing that you said, JR. It's it's hard to knock somebody off when they're at the top of the mountain until somebody does it. Uh but when you look, like Justin said, when you look at this schedule, I mean it's very realistic that Michigan could lose their first game of the season in September. They've, they play Texas they second Texas, week of the yeah, season. Um, you know, one of the best things that happened to them was they're away at Washington, but Washington's programs in disarray right now after uh, Kalen left. Uh, but then you've got, you still got Oregon, you've got Ohio state. So I do think that eight wins is more realistic than 11. Uh, like Justin said, but I do, I do think that nine and three is kind of that sweet spot for them. There's still a lot of games that even if Michigan loses a handful of talent, are we talking talent um, that hasn't really stepped up yet? That are we talking guys that are, you know, sophomores and freshmen that aren't necessarily playing, they're playing more reserve roles that the seniors will still, as long as they're not banned from uh, bowl games this coming year, are the seniors going to stick it out for one more year and see, you know, what they can do? Do they still have an opportunity to, you know, become some of the most winningest players in Michigan history? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that makes sense. And I think, you know, we could totally see ourselves in a situation just because of how difficult the schedule is. I'm not saying that Michigan will be bad next year by any means, yeah. but just based off how the schedule is, I could totally see you know, an eight and three team, or what would that be? Eight and four team, eight and three, something like that. Um, an eight and three team going in facing Ohio State last game of the season, mm-hmm. and those players just basically saying, "This is this is all our season means right yeah. now." Beating this team, uh, yes, there will only be nine wins, but guess what? In Sharon Moore's first year as head coach, if we get him a second win over Ohio State, that's what. Like that's that's what the season can be defined by. Yeah, uh, it'll be okay. Um, Do you mind if I add something to that? Yeah, go ahead. Let, let's think about it this way. Listen to that schedule. What's more likely? The is it more likely that they're, they're going to only lose to one of those more difficult teams, or is it more likely there's a chance that they may just have a couple hiccups on some tough road games and and drop to eight wins? You know, because at the end of the day, ten and two, it's only one more win to eleven. It's a couple more losses to eight. However, if you look at it like that, I, I think it's just it, the odds are really stacked against them that with this tough of a schedule that they're going to be able to go in there and, and beat all but one of those teams. Um, that would that would be a Sharon Moore better immediately get an extension if he's able to come out. <laughs> so. And 
Justin, kind of kind of looking at that too, just and I'll I'll leave it after this, JR. But when you look at their first four games, I mean, and everybody loves, you know, opening up against a couple teams that uh even though Fresno State's no no slouch there, you like opening against the weaker opponents. Yeah. But they go from Fresno State to Texas to Arkansas State to USC. And as much as USC had a down year last year, they're still a pretty good team with a decent amount of talent there. That is it realistic that Michigan opens up the season two and two and they have all of a sudden, okay, we have Minnesota coming to town. This is our get right and we need to, you know, play for the rest of the season come week five. Yep. Now, B, so what's more likely here? Michigan getting eight wins or less or USC missing a bowl game? Have you ch- have you taken a look at USC's schedule this year? Because it's ridiculous. I mean, I I would say Michigan or I would say USC missing a bowl game is probably more realistic, just because. Um, I mean, the team's coming to a new conference; they're going to have to learn how to win in the cold and in the winter of the Midwest. So it wouldn't surprise me if USC has more hiccups than Michigan does. And I got to tell you, it feels nice to finally see a team who got a worse schedule than Nebraska. It finally happened. Because <laughs> USC, I mean, they don't give them back-to-back home games. The only back-to-back home games is before the Big Ten schedule opens. And then their AD went added on and scheduled Notre Dame and LSU. Yeah, Like, what is that guy doing? Yeah. Not, not setting them up for success, that's for sure. No. Well, and I think some of this, you know, ADs were scheduling stuff, and they didn't realize. Oh yeah, yeah. What the Big Ten expansion? These are scheduled way so far in advance, right? I mean, there's a reason why the Big Ten is talking right now about going to ten conference games and playing zero Power Five out of conference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's literally in the discussion right now. People haven't seen like the the Big Ten is saying, let's just play ten conference games, no SEC, no Big Twelve, no ACC, like none of that. We're just going to play group of five schools in the out of conference, and then you know, because Big Ten is not scared to play each other. Like a certain conference down south is. Okay, yeah. moving on. Let's go from <laughs> there, right? Cool. That's a great endpoint. Um, our next piece to talk about here is Oregon's offseason and Big Ten expectations. So Oregon right now has the number three transfer portal class. They have the number five overall uh, recruiting and transfer portal combined class uh, in all of college football. Uh, they have lost a couple of co- or one coach. I'm trying to find it here. I just had it up. I apologize. There we go. Uh, they did lose Demetrius Martin, uh, their cornerbacks coach, uh, but they did bring in, I think his name is Chris Hampton uh, to be his replacement. However, we don't see very much turnover on Oregon. So Oregon had a good year last year, not very much turnover on their coaching staff, but they have added a number of good transfers. Uh, Jabari Muhammad from Washington is coming in there. Cam Alexander, a cornerback is coming in there. Evan Stewart. Five-star in the transfer portal, uh, was a really, really good wide receiver for Texas A&M. Uh, there's just a lot of good players coming in to Oregon now uh, this year, and it we could see Oregon coming in and fighting for the Big Ten Championship right away. Uh, Tiesel, we'll start with you. What has been Oregon's most impressive move, whether it be player, coach, whatever it might be, what's been their most impressive move to you so far this offseason? It's got to be joining the conference of the Big Ten. I mean, let's be serious. The Pac-12 was not a, re- was not a legit conference. They're going to be taken a lot more serious in the Big Ten. And so coming out as a 10-win team in the Big Ten, you're going to have a lot more respect than coming out as a 10-win team in the Pac-12. 
that that's what it is for me. But they got to be ready for the the knit and grit of the, the tough teams because you know you look at your schedule, you might be playing Minnesota and say, hey, that's not a tough game. Well, guess what? They're going to play it tough, so you better be ready. Big Ten tough, Justin. What do you think? Yeah, for me, it, it's got to be. So you talked about the the turnover at the cornerback coach position, but it's the cornerbacks in general, specifically Jamar Muhammad, because that was not only their biggest issue coming into the 2023 season was their pass defense, but it was also their biggest issue in 2020. Uh, it was 2022 and then 2023. Now it did improve, you know, coming into the 2023 season, it was the biggest concern and they were previously 110th in terms of pass defense. Overall, defensively this past year, they were 11th in scoring, uh, 11th in run defense, um, but 63rd in pass defense. And so, they, you know, they had some turnover there last year. They had brought in um, Taishim Johnson, who was added from Ole Miss the season before. Um, he will be returning. And then, you know, they um, Evan Williams, who they also added before the 23 season, he's out. But they got, like I said, Jabbar Muhammad, um, Cam Alexander, who's going to come in and probably replace Jaleel Florence, who's dealing with a offseason knee injury. Um, you know, so he'll probably come down there and be able to, he'll probably play safety. And then you have um, you have um, I'm trying to blank on his name a box safety Brandon Johnson from Duke. Um, he's probably going to come and be a either a box safety style of guy. Um, but I think they've done a really really good job, especially the Jabbar Muhammad. That was so huge for them in that in that defensive backfield, especially with you know, um, Jaleel Florence being out and that that secondary being a little bit hamstrung. But yeah, this is going to be massive for them. That's the one thing that they really need to get better to to make this team complete and they they addressed it so especially uh you know from a rival Washington right going getting a guy like that uh we just had Eric from the Ohio podcast saying he doesn't want any rival players but in this situation that was what yeah. was what Oregon needed and uh do it, yeah. it has to make their rival sting a little bit <laughs> you got their players so exactly. uh Beesel, what has your been fit? You've been your favorite addition for Oregon so far this offseason. I mean, I I agree. They addressed a lot of needs that they had, but Oregon's biggest loss this season or this offseason is, you know, aside from the potential of uh Daniel Lanning leaving, and you know, their count their blessings that he didn't, but it's the fact that Bo Nix is gone after two stellar years there, and they replaced Bo Nix and with Dylan Gabriel, who's coming in with a ton of experience, a ton of success at the college football level. And he's a guy who, again, probably not as accurate as Bo Nix, but when Bo Nix transferred out of Auburn, he wasn't the most uh, accurate quarterback either. So it comes down to, can Oregon put Dylan Gabriel in a position to be successful like Bo Nix was? And how much of a drop-off does that offense have going from Nick's to Gabriel because I don't think it's going to be that big a drop off. And especially when you start looking at that Oregon schedule to start the season, you're talking, they go Hawaii, Idaho, Boise state, three games to really give Dylan Gabriel enough time to get, get right, get his head in the game. And then you've got, you know, your in-state rival, Oregon state all before you start big 10 play. So Dylan Gabriel has that opportunity to win over the fan base there and show them, Hey, Bo may be gone, but I've still got this team clicking on all cylinders. I was told by some Oregon people that apparently that Hawaii game was canceled um, for some oh. reason. Uh, so I don't know what the deal with that was, but 
<laughs> so they're not playing Hawaii, apparently, yeah. according to Oregon Twitter. Uh, but I agree. Uh, what'd you say? Idaho and who was the other one? Idaho, know? Boise State, and then yeah. Oregon State after. And Oregon State Who's just it? lost uh, DJ as well. So, yeah. right. Who's going to be a tougher opponent, Boise State or Oregon State? I mean, I know Oregon State fans are like yelling at their computer having me ask that, but I would still have to go to Oregon State, maybe. Just, I I think maybe they just have a higher quality of talent recruited to that team just because, you know, they're Oregon State, Boise State. Maybe. Maybe. Statue of Liberty is their only moment. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a moment. Um, No. I think uh, for me personally, it's along the same lines as you, B-Soul. Uh, Bo Nix, I think, was much, much more important to this Oregon team than I think some people realize. And bringing in a veteran like Dylan Gabriel for that is huge. The wide receiver, Evan Stewart, to combine with Gabriel, I think is also another huge addition. Um, and I've been high on him this entire time. I understand not everybody else is as excited about him because of how his first year in college went. But... I think Dante Moore to Oregon is a really, really good pickup. Um, unless something happens with the NCAA rules, he's not going to be able to transfer unless he graduates. Um, so they have their new quarterback after Dylan Gabriel locked in there. He yep. can't say, oh, this isn't for me or whatever else and transfer out. Uh, they could bring in another transfer quarterback next offseason and say, hey, you two battle it out and let's see who the best player is Dante Moore or, you know, whoever this other guy is. So um, I think it's a good move. I think that Oregon has set themselves up. They've kind of given themselves this identity that, hey, if you're a transfer quarterback, come to Oregon, we'll turn you into a first or second round pick with Bo Nix. And uh, if they can do the same thing with Dylan Gabriel, they're only going to improve that stock and make themselves a, a more desirable place for uh, quarterbacks that struggling programs to come and excel there. Um, all right, Justin, we'll move on to the next question with this. Um, your expectations for Oregon coming into the Big Ten. I think everybody kind of feels like Washington's going to be a little down. They've lost some guys. USC is a bit of a question mark without uh, without um, Caleb Williams. We know they're going to have a good offense. What's the new defensive coordinator going to do? People are kind of down on U- UCLA. But Oregon seems to be the best team coming into the conference right now. Justin, what are your expectations for them in 2024? Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, naturally, probably everybody's going to say that they're the best team coming in now. Um, I firmly believe that they are not in a position yet. So here's my thing on the whole conference movement, Pac-12 to Big Ten. I may have told you this before, and I've said this numerous times, but if we're using the national championship game as a gauge of what the top of each conference looks like and which conference is going to have to adjust more to the other, I don't necessarily think the Pac-12 teams are built for this battle of attrition that is the game in the trenches that is the Big Ten football. I think they even even in if you use a one-off example of them playing a Big Ten team, you know, the grind of the season and being in here with these dog fights with your Michigans, your Iowas and all that, that takes a toll. That causes, you know, that, that wears a team down. They're used to this this spread it out style of Pac-12 football where it's it's more so getting guys into space and you don't have the same wear and tear on your body in the battle of attrition over the course of the season. I think that's going to impact them. I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten, nor do I think um, they're going to be in a position to win the Big Ten when this when this season's over. But I can see them finishing, you know, top three, 
I'll, I'll probably say top three. I'll go top three. I'll give them that. But I just think there's going to be a bigger of adjustment than than a lot of people think with some of these teams. And I think in the beginning, it's going to be a little bit tougher than they think coming in. Maybe they'll drop a game or two that they shouldn't. But that that's my take on it overall. I think they will be very good for the conference long term. But I just think there's some some size that these teams are going to have to build up a little bit and, and some uh, some adjustments that are going to have to be made to uh, to the style. Would you say that of all the Pac-12 teams, and I'm just pushing back a little bit here for conversation, wouldn't you say that the best situation of those four teams is Oregon, though? Exactly. And so that's why, like, I can't really say, you know, that that's the only reason why I can't really put them past three, you know? Um, but I can't also p- pick them to win at year one. You know, I think three is about a, about a reasonable spot for them to finish in if everything goes the way that I think it might. Yeah. Yeah. Your thoughts be so on the expectations of Oregon going in 2024. Yeah. I think, um, I think Justin hit again was pretty spot on with that. You know, speaking, speaking from experience and coming from the Big 12 to the Big 10 was different for Nebraska, just like Oregon coming from the Pac 12 to the Big 10. It's going to be different for them. I'm not trying to say it's going to be the exact same adjustment there, but coming from the Big 12, just, and again, when you watch that year one, Nebraska the first year was kind of able to, I'll say, make some of the Big Ten teams adjust to them a little bit, but then they learned very quickly, if you're not winning the trenches, you're not going to be winning in the Big Ten, especially come, you know, end of October, November, December. And so when you look at it that way for this Oregon team, I think probably that three to four, like top three, top four team in the Big Ten is realistic there. But as much as this pains me to say it, is there tough, like they have Ohio State at home in Eugene, and then they go from that game, which Ohio State's going to be a dogfight for them, to on the road at Purdue end of October, which very realistically, that has an opportunity to be, you know, there could be snow, it could be brutally cold, it could be stupidly hot. It's, it's so hard to say, and Purdue's not necessarily the best team. When is their bye week? Just, just while you're looking um, at them. They are. That's because that's, that's a curious to know where that comes at in the season. What point? They got a bye week after Wisconsin, which is the second to yeah, like the season. Oh, very in. <laughs> so, but I think there's yeah. two bye weeks this year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. They got say. one after Oregon yeah. State, too. Yeah. So Early it's right before and Big Ten play and at the end. Not helpful. I didn't do them any favors either. No. But I could just see that, you know, as much as Purdue's usually a trap game for some teams, if that is your first true road game in the Big Ten, it's October in West Lafayette. It, there's an opportunity there that that's where Oregon's going to stumble and that's where their season could really get put on the ropes. Yeah, I'm doing some quick math here uh, on Nebraska entering this Big Ten their first season. So, T Soul, you go ahead and give your expectations while I finish this up. Well, I definitely think Oregon's good enough to compete for the Big Ten, but I think they're just going to run out of steam. I mean, realistically, that Ohio State game, I think, is going to be deflating for them. I could see them being undefeated heading into that Ohio State game, and after that, I could see them losing, like, you know, all but two of their games to end the season. I mean, I think November's going to kill them. You're talking at Michigan, home against Maryland, at Wisconsin, home against Washington. That's pretty tough November. 
Yeah, let's let's remember Scott Frost too. Uh, one, you know, saying that the Big Ten was going to have to adjust to his offense, and yeah, it, it did not have to. Yeah. So. But so I got Oregon finishing. I, I see. I'm not even ready to sell the ship yet on Washington. I I still think Washington's going to be better than them at the end of the season, and Ooh. I don't think I don't think that necessarily they're going to be better than Crazy. Penn State or maybe even Wisconsin. I'm not sure. Maybe Nebraska. You know, if Riola shows up this year. Riola's going to be wheeling and dealing all over him. Oh, you uh, betcha. I do think I do think I probably am going to favor Oregon over yeah. Washington, but I also did I that twice last year, and look how that went out for me. So yeah. I thought they are going to beat them twice <laughs> both times last year. Yeah, I stopped and, betting for a reason. Yeah, without so. <laughs> betting too much on Nebraska. <laughs> Same. So in 2011, Nebraska's first seven games, which they lost one of those, but they went six and one in their first seven games. They scored an average of 37 and a half points per game, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. In their last five, which they lost, how many of those? Because they went nine and four in their last five, not including the bowl game. Uh, I guess if you included the bowl game, it would be even worse though. So, <laughs> but. Uh, in their last five, they went three and two, and they went twenty point six points per game. Yeah. So the the running out of steam, at least for the offense here that you guys are talking about, definitely um, can hit. My biggest thing is I'm wondering. My biggest thing is I'm wondering um, if. Oregon is going to be more affected by the possibility of recruiting changes and how they're going to have to adjust to that uh, being in the big 10, because anytime you join a new conference, there's recruiting changes there. All of you guys can attest to that. Um, And it's like, maybe this is going to be their best year as they adjust to that. We'll see. Um, We'll we'll see what happens. I think that recruiting like an Oregon fan. Let me do this really fast, Justin. Oh, yeah, Looks yeah. like we have an Oregon fan who's upset with us. This is hilarious. Oh, of course, last year's <laughs> schedule was harder. Dude's delusional. Than this year's They're all big. Um, I do think that the pack schedule, like top end, was more difficult than some Big Ten schedules. But I still think at the end of the day. Uh, but it's and, not about know, that. It's about the overall the snowball effect of the grind of the cold and the big 10 schools and the, the way big 10 football is just winning the battle of the trenches it's just hard-nosed physical football they even right. Rutgers, they're one of the most physical teams they're probably the most physical team out of the pac-12 teams you know Rutgers. yeah right um so i'm not counting oregon out by any means i think you guys are a bit lower than them on i personally am uh but i definitely see where you guys are coming from uh, like I said, with coming to the end of the season, um, holding up and stuff like that. Because let's let's be honest, November is a grind for everybody. Uh, yeah. That's the reason why the SEC has gotten rid of one of their conference games, so that way they can play a cupcake, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. whatever. Um, but that's one of the reasons why they do that is because November is a grind for everybody. And it is true that coming into the Big Ten, you're going to have the grind of the cold in a lot of areas. But let's also not act like Oregon doesn't deal with the cold there. They're cold up there. Right. But that's, well. yeah, that's why we specifically were talking about a little bit more of the other stuff on top of right. that. Right. I think also with that being said, as much as the, I think the offense will be affected by the, by the tone of the game and how big 10 football teams uh, dictate uh, how the game script goes. I think it's more going to affect the Oregon defense in the long run that 
come the fourth quarter, especially you're talking your, uh, let's call it your fourth, fifth Big Ten game in a row, where you're playing these teams who line up and want to run the ball at you in the trenches, up the middle, in between the tackles the entire game. And they're used to having teams who want to spread you out and play in space that your offensive line or your defensive line is not going to be built to sustain that in the long run. That again, I, and I keep going back to that Purdue game and I hate, you know, trying to call that as an upset of the year right there. But I think that's going to be a game. Purdue is going to try and run the ball, dictate, control the clock, take as many opportunities away from Oregon as they can. And by that fourth quarter, Again, Oregon coming off a long game against, they've got Michigan State, then Ohio State back-to-back, and then they go on the road to Purdue. At that point, you're talking, that's quarter number 12 of Big Ten football, that how does their defensive line react to being just ran at the entire game? Yeah, and I mean, um, it's going to be interesting to see. So um, I know... Or any Oregon fan watching this, you have probably either pulled your hair out or turned it off by now, and that's totally fine. <laughs> we get that. The only thing I would argue is that we have three guys who have all seen what happens when you join a new conference, yeah. and we'll all admit that it's there tough. are different styles to different conferences, and they do change, and they it's do tough. affect you. Um, so I think Oregon is a very talented team. I think that, you know, like I said, when we were talking beforehand, they're still my second favorite currently to win the big 10 but if you know like like you guys are saying if they start struggling toward the end of the year whether that be defense or offense it would not necessarily surprise me uh because like i said it's november it's cold it's tough to play in and And, uh, it's the grind of trying to make it to the playoffs and there's a little bit of pressure on these teams innately to prove themselves as the teams coming into the new conference too so how do they how do they handle that pressure you know if they do slip a, a game here that they shouldn't and the narrative starts to flip, do they, do they, you know, panic? You know, it's, there's a lot of angles to this, a lot of nuance to it. So needless to say, Oregon has the opportunity though, to come into this conference and up. just get, receive all bragging rights. Just win. If, they, up. if they come in and they win this conference, guys, we have nothing to talk about. I'm we a man no of reason, beef. dude. I will, I yeah. will praise them. If they come in and do that, I'll be like, I was wrong, dude. Uh, and we'll say Oregon's the one. But like I said, if any of these four teams coming in have the chance to do it, it's Oregon because I think Dan Lanning has focused on that defensive line and he has focused on the line of scrimmage more than some other uh, of those four teams coming in have done. So we'll see what goes on with Oregon in the future. All right, moving on to our last part. We have, or not our last part, second last part, Big Ten expansion rumors. So one of the reasons why we started the show Late is because I received information that, and it's kind of public, some people know about it, but the North Carolina had a board of trustees meeting last night. So Monday night, they had a board of trustees meetings. And one of the conversation pieces on the docket was to talk about conference expansion. They went out of the ACC and the conference that they want to go to is the Big Ten. No shock there, right? Uh, There's been plenty of rumors swirling on about that. And what the holdup was that I heard, and I don't, like I said, I don't have much more information than this, but what I have heard is that the thing holding them up is that North Carolina wants NC State to come with them to the Big Ten, kind of like a USC-UCLA situation to where they're rivals, they're 
but they're in the same state and they kind of want to figure this out together. But, um, but the Big Ten is saying no. The Big Ten says no. We do not want NC State. They don't bring enough value. Uh, they're from the same state as you, and so we're not going to receive as many benefits of you know some of the TV revenue and things like that. Uh, and so there is a bit of a stand still here, but currently the way it is projected out, the Big Ten wants to accept North Carolina and Florida State together. Beasel, I don't have any questions. What are your thoughts? <laughs> um. You know, I'm Jr. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back to an episode of the scoop back um, that we had done previous, right after or right before the Big Ten accepted a handful of the uh, the four Pac-12 teams. Um, when all the speculation came out, and one thing that I pointed to then, and I'm gonna bring it up now, the one thing that our conference can say that nobody else can is we are coast to coast. We are nationwide. And so the only real part that we are missing is that Florida um, and kind of that Southeast uh, dynamic there. So for the Big Ten to sit here, and let's say, again, we're ready to accept North Carolina and Florida State. Florida State's probably itching to to take this opportunity. North Carolina says, well, wait a second. We don't want to leave our, our little brother here. Well, at the end of the day, the Big Ten's going to, you know, nix North Carolina to the side. There's other teams in this conference that will meet the metrics that the Big Ten wants to bring over. If our goal is two more, why not nix North Carolina, bring Florida State? And, you know, who do we go to then? Is it a Clemson? Is it, you know, a Miami? Or do we go the other route and try and get Notre Dame out of their basketball contract with the ACC? and pull them in because they fit right in the middle of what the Big Ten wants to be anyway. Yeah, no, those are good thoughts. Tiso, what do you think? Well, I mean, I'm personally the guy, I think, take them all. Just become the NCAA at this point. I mean, just t- take everybody, <laughs> throw them in the bucket, and you'll beat the SEC just based on that way. But the way I see it, North Carolina, sure, yeah, come on. Hey, does Clemson want to come? Yeah, yeah, I'm cool with that. Boston College, you too? Florida State, Miami? Why not? Take them all. I don't care. <laughs> More money. The academic requirements, Tiesel. You know the. <laughs> what are those? <laughs> Clemson's not smart enough. <laughs> At least that's what I've heard. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Justin? Yeah, um, I, I do like uh, you know Tiesel's their reverse Pangea, where it's just like you know everybody comes together and it's just the Big Ten now. Um, but you know that you know to Tiesel's point, you know getting a footprint even down in you know the South and Southeast. Um, we saw when Nebraska kind of um, went away from the Big 12, they lost Texas as a pipeline state, you know, just because of the nature of being in the Big 12 conference, ties to the Texas. You know, if we get ties down to those southern states, Florida being a big one for talent, too, that opens up a potential pipeline there for recruiting for the rest of the Big 10 conference goes. So there's just a little silver lining potentially there with that with that switch. But in general, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's an arms race, right? So if you can get them to meet your whatever academic requirements you have, because at the end of the day, the Big Ten, what they pride themselves on is prestige. And I think that's why in the world of the SEC kind of dominating the college football world, the Big Ten has still been able to be kind of the, I guess, the the gold standard as far as just overall across the board. Like the Big Ten is, is I feel like, the more prestigious in terms of just everything. And so if they meet the academic requirements and they are big schools like this, I save even more the reason to bring them in. Because at this point, what does it become? It's become bragging rights between the SEC and the Big Ten. It's just become, 
you know, we have this many blue bloods. We have this many blue bloods. We have this schools that make this much money. We have this schools that make this much money. And all of these are going to help us on the TV deals in the future and all that. So I say if they can get a big school in to meet their academic requirements, bring them in. Um, but yeah, the the in North Carolina trying to be like, we want NC State in here. Like you don't have the leverage here. Like you need us more than we need you. So you could figure that out and get back to us. But I, yeah, so on that, if they're going to play hard to get with that, yeah, go get Florida State and then dive in and get somebody else. I don't want Clemson though, because I don't want to listen to Dabo, you know, <laughs> ramble on for 20 minutes about NIL every time he talks. But yeah, a Notre Dame would be a great one. It feels like to me, like, you know, when we were younger and we would go play our baseball games and stuff like that, and mom and dad would take us and, you know, maybe you asked before the game or after the game, like, can we go get ice cream afterward? Like, yep. And mom and dad were like, no, it's not happening. You know, yep. it's like, it's cute you asked, but no, that's not happening. Yep. It feels like North Carolina asking the Big Ten, like, can we get ice cream afterward with our friend NC State? And yeah, no, like, no, you're grounded. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's, it's cute you asked, but no. Nope. Um, I, I see what you're saying, T Soul. And, and part of me agrees with that. Um, but the other part of me, I do like this like prestigious element, and maybe it's just like the snotty person in me, I guess. I don't know, but I kind of like this prestigious element where too. it's like, we're just gonna choose the people that we think are best. Uh, yeah. you know, because like the big twelve down there, they're gobbling up anybody they can. They're like, Oh, Utah, you want to come in? Sure. Arizona, you want to come in? Sure. Like anybody, yes, please come join us. Uh, because we want to stay help. alive and we're gonna try to get as many people as possible. I think that's what helped the Big Ten when when they were negotiating TV deals and why they ended up with a better one. Right, uh, because they went through and they said, who are good brands to bring in? USC, good brand. UCLA, good brand. Uh, for as much as the crap talking we just did about Oregon a little bit, Oregon, good brand. I think Oregon's probably the best addition out of anybody. USC obviously has the bigger TV market, yeah, uh, bigger area and stuff. But the one I'm most excited about getting is Oregon because I feel like they bring the most kind of cachet and prestige and stuff like that into the conference with them. Uh, and then, of course, Washington, too. The timing of it, them just going to the national championship. I loved it. I loved saying it was an all-Big Ten national championship. Yeah. Because it is. I mean, this yeah. team is literally going to be in the Big Ten next year. Uh, and, you know, anything I can do to kind of rub it in the SEC's face a little bit, Yeah, I'm good with that. It's the thing It's the thing about that the Pac-12, I think, and like Oregon is bringing to the Big Ten. Like, you don't have a ton of blue bloods over there, right? You got USC. That's it. So they're bringing a little bit of flash and, you know, that type of stuff. You know, Oregon is, you know, of course, they had their their uniforms and stuff like that. And they've been good, but they haven't gotten over the hump, you know. And so maybe this pairing is what they need to kind of get over the hump, you know. But I think it's another one of those things where it's just like, you know, you look at it and you have these the Blue Bloods and the established these programs over here. And then you have these up and coming coaches and these these, you know, universities that have a lot of backing, a lot of fan base, a lot of resources, and they're going to be able to come over here and bring that. And I, so I think overall, as mad as Oregon fans may be, I think it's a good pairing overall, and I think it's going to work out for both both sides in the long run. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it helps Oregon because it gives them a better platform to play their you know football on yeah. uh, TV wise, and you know argue about competition all we want or whatever but at the end of the day the big 10 has more fans than the pac-12 did uh it's just a fact yeah. uh, more people wanted to watch the big 10 and argue about the timing of it but just the fact tv numbers show the big 10 has far more fans 
and the Pac-12 did. And then in addition to that, it helps the Big Ten because the Big Ten can continue to be that prestigious element. And to me, both North Carolina and Florida State do that same thing. Uh, Florida State and North Carolina both bring larger fan bases that are going to help the Big Ten. And at the end of the day, the Big Ten helps both of them by giving them a more stable platform. Um, well, let's end with this question because I just thought about it. And Tso, we'll start with you. Uh, I know you want everybody in, but if there could just be one team or two teams, I guess you have to pick two to kind of pair them together uh, to bring in from anywhere but the SEC, anywhere but the SEC, who would be those two teams that you would want into the Big Ten? JR, give me Miami and give me Colorado. We're taking our rivals back. Do we do we rescind it? If Dion's I don't want there? to deal with Dion that much. Oh, we no. want to deal with Dion. Trust me, okay. we want to deal with Dion. Imagine, no. imagine him getting smacked around in the Big Ten. I, I mean, it would be fantastic. I just don't want to listen to him that much. I already have to listen to him enough. <laughs> Justin, who are your two? Um, UTEP. No, I'm just playing. Um, I'm trying to make it easier on us all. Uh, I, you know, just off the top of my head without thinking, I just kind of like the combo that, that Beasel came up with a little bit ago. Notre Dame is, is a team that I'd love to have in there in, in terms of just prestige and just Notre Dame's always the, the, uh, you know, the odd one out in any, any conversation because just weird like that. Like, and they're also the one that doesn't get a lot of respect because they typically, you know, will drop a game here and there and they don't have anybody else to back them outside of Notre Dame fans, you know? So I, I think that pairing would work out. I think they fit what the big 10 wants. Um, you know, they're a huge brand, a ton of money. And then, you know, getting the team like, you know, I, I kind of more so than Florida state T. So I, I do like the Miami a little bit more just because rivalry there, you know, uh, Miami is for what it's worth. I, I, the only thing I think about Miami that the big 10 won't like is just their, their reputation of not being, you know, we know Miami's reputation. So I think that would be the only the only hindrance there. So just realistically, Florida State, maybe Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. Biso, what do you think? Yeah, I think those two would be the most uh, logical expansion teams, especially when you know that the ACC is going to be the next kind of conference to crumble there. And I think that's going to be the domino that once that starts and teams start bailing, that's when Notre Dame will be able to get out of that um, that basketball deal that they're with locked into there. Um, but how funny would it be? And just, just bear with me here. I know it's not going to happen, but basically what if the big 10 looked at North Carolina and they're like, sorry, you're asking too much. We're not going to do you any favors, this and that. So they, they boot them, they take Florida state. And then they're like, you know, we'll take NC state. I, I, I was going to say, Iowa, you've been, uh, you've been very loyal. We're going to bring in Iowa state. That way you've got your in-state rival. Just to like throw salt in the wound, and then the North Carolina is stuck on the sinking ship. Then, then the Big Ten would be like, "Oh, now we're stuck with Iowa State. Now we've got Iowa State. Nobody wants them." <laughs> That's like asking your parents before the baseball game to get ice cream. And then yeah, right. Like, oh, you want ice cream? No, we're not going to the baseball game at all now. No, <laughs> you don't get to play baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, my if I had to pick, Notre Dame would be in there, but I'm also kind of mad at Notre Dame because they're kind of uppity and stuff like that, and, you know, yeah. I don't really like that. So yeah. uh, inside, I pick Notre Dame, but outwardly, I'm not going to pick them because, yep. you know, uh, I don't want to uh, conform to that. But uh, Florida State's definitely my top one. And then my other one, I know it sounds crazy, but 
I'd love to see Georgia Tech in the Big Ten, you know, fit down there a little bit more in the SEC. Um, I think Georgia Tech has more fans than people realize. Uh, I know they're not a great school uh, for a football program, but they are a great school. They're yeah, great school, but I don't. Georgia Tech gave us Jeff Sims. I'll I will reserve. I, I, I won't. But talk don't you about want the chance next. to beat them up I'll a little bit? I'll talk about them next year. I'm still upset. <laughs> don't you want yep. the chance to beat them up a little bit though? For no, that? I want oh. no part of it. Mm. <laughs> I want Jeff Sims gone. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into our next one or our final one here. Who is the next Big Ten coach that will go to the NFL? Let's go ahead and include the four teams coming in as well. Uh, so some common ones that you might hear here are uh, Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, maybe a Chip Kelly. Matt Rule was obviously in the NFL at one point. I don't know if we see him go back there again, but oh. maybe. Who knows? Uh, I don't think so, but who knows? Uh, Beasel, let's start with you. Uh, out of the current coaches in the Big Ten, who do you think would be the most likely to go back to the NFL if given the opportunity? I mean, I think the most obvious answer here for somebody taking that next step would be Lincoln Riley. I think everything that he's done since Oklahoma to USC, he's really kind of just been like, okay, I get you to a point, I'm going to take that next step. And so I, if... USC had had a different season this past year. Everything lined up. Caleb Williams came back. You had that opportunity there. And again, they've fumbled down the stretch there that I don't think Lincoln Riley would even be the head coach at USC going into next season. He would have been that hot commodity leaving USC if they had had a better season. But honestly, somebody that I think is the next step into the NFL, aside from like an obvious answer like Lincoln Riley, is James Franklin from Penn State that he's gotten to a point the program's pretty much topped out to where I think he's going to be able to take it. And he's got proven success there that he he wins games, even though he you know loses a couple during the season. He's shown, hey, I can get it there and I can build success and I can keep it there. And I think that's an opportunity that he will probably take a step to the NFL, maybe not after this season, but maybe the following one. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I didn't even think of, uh, I mean, I thought of James Franklin, but I didn't even think of that possibility for him uh, to do that. So that's a good thought. T-Soul, what do you think? Well, B-Soul took both of my picks here. You see, B-Soul, you were told you get one option. I picked two, thinking, <laughs> you know, they, they might pick here. I'm going to stick with Franklin, though, with, with Penn State. And I do like this pick for him going to the NFL because he doesn't lose games that he's supposed to win. And there's something to be said about that. And I think NFL teams really like that. Like, yes, I understand he hasn't got over the hump, won the big 10 or anything, but he takes care of business when he needs to take care of business. And, you know, if Nebraska could do that, you know, we'd be a completely different program right now. Yeah. Uh, that'd be big. Uh, what do you think, Justin? Yeah. Uh, it's crazy that we all three had the same dang answer. Um, I also <laughs> think James Franklin. Um, however, you know, they're, just to just to try to spearhead another conversation maybe you know you have some of these guys that you know may not you know we may be thinking like head coaching or whatever but there's a couple of these guys you know that the NFL could pluck as coordinators or passing game coordinators you know there's there's a potential like a Dan Lanning could be pulled into some kind of defensive role you know um in the NFL so i think James Franklin is probably the most likely scenario i I think Lincoln Riley, I think, I think that's very possible just because Lincoln Riley, 
seems to be the type of guy who just wants to go, uh, not not from place to place, but just kind of like he just likes developing guys. He likes developing offense, developing quarterbacks. I could see that you know, in the NFL, um, especially with with the way that they like these these styles of offenses now in the NFL. And uh, they also like the young coaches, which is also why I think Dan Lanning could get pulled. They like the young, big-name coaches. But Ryan Day is another one up there. You know, I know that he's not very, uh, you know, liked in the Ohio State fan base sometimes. But, you know, he came under the tutelage of Urban Meyer. Um, you know, and I think that Ryan Day, I think they a lot of teams are, uh, you know, owners, GMs, probably hold Ryan Day in a pretty high light. I think they see a lot of good in him, and I see a lot of good in him that can translate to the NFL as well. So you also got to remember that just because these guys can't necessarily get over the hump sometimes in, in college, that doesn't necessarily mean they won't be successful in the NFL. I, so if I was picking, and I think I could pick the, probably the most successful NFL coach, I honestly think Ryan Day would be a really good NFL coach. That's just me. Yeah, I thought of this in terms of not only would they go as a head coach, but, you know, could they go as a coordinator or something like that? And I think that Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley fit those molds the mm -hmm. best as kind of what the NFL is looking for. Uh, young, offensive minded guy uh, to come from there. Um, so I feel like those are probably the next two most likely. Um, I, I don't know what the deal is with Ryan Day, if he's just not been offered jobs or what, but. He seems very content with staying around Ohio mm -hmm. State, uh, even though people treat him like dirt. Uh, but, my, thing know, was, my thing was, what if Ohio State doesn't keep him around? That that was right. another yeah. thing that, that may lead to him going to the NFL. Yeah. And he so. could totally go and be a quarterback's coach or something like that, at the very least. So I think he'd find himself there if Ohio State did decide to part ways with him. Um, but my other thought, uh, somebody, one of you guys mentioned Dan Lanning. I feel like if Dan Lanning didn't leave for Alabama, I don't think he's leaving for the NFL. I think Dan Lanning's on this like mental mission, life mission, whatever it is, to make Oregon like a blue blood or whatever, which if I'm an Oregon fan, I'm excited about that because I do think Dan Lanning has a good future. But he's thirty seven uh, and he 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 announced he was coming back and then another role opened up and he was immediately speculated to leave there. Oregon fans are gonna have their hands full dealing with this every offseason. But if he if he remains true to what he's been saying, that he wants to turn Oregon into like a destination place, then we'll see it. We'll you know, see. I believe we'll see what happens. Money, um, money talks. Money does talk. NFL. Um, and Oregon has a lot of money with Phil Knight. So. The NFL. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final thought is, and I think he is probably the most likely one, just because of some of the rumors and speculation around it. But it's Chip Kelly. Um, I don't think Chip Kelly likes recruiting. I don't think Chip Kelly likes the yeah. college game as much. Yeah. You know, he wants to bring in players and, you know, work them and have a good offense, but he doesn't really want to do the whole, like, let's be friends, let's be buddies and do this stuff. I mean, kind of saw the way he treated Dante Moore last year. Not saying he treated him bad, but, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't like lovable with him like Jim Harbaugh was with JJ McCarthy and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Chip Kelly, the thing is, like, does, is he very like a hot commodity between the, you know, that's another thing too. That's like a coordinator, I, I think. Yeah. Maybe like a coordinator. What do you think? BC? No. You see that? Um, Tiso, what'd you say? That's oh. the Eagles shirt. Oh. No. <laughs> the Eagles um, aren't going to touch him. I'm happy about that. So I, I agree. I think Chip Kelly, and like you guys said, I, when I was 
talking first, I was thinking more in like that head coaching mold, which is why I was thinking yeah. Franklin. Um, I agree. A lot of the Big Ten coaches, I think, would fit that mold of some type of a coordinator. And I agree. I think Chip Kelly probably is done with recruiting, so to speak, that he's just kind of, he wants to develop, he wants to be there, and he wants to just put guys out who are successful and can run his system without error. But I'm going to throw one more name out there, and this one's probably a little premature, but just just hear me out. David Braun, in some sort of a defensive role in the NFL, the guy has had success coaching defense at all three levels of college football. Uh, now he's at the Power Five. He's a head coach for Northwestern and really you know, surprised everybody, shocked them all except for uh, TESOL last year. And so it's one of those things that does David Braun, if he has one, like maybe two more successful years at Northwestern, I don't think it's a, I don't think he's locked in Northwestern the way Pat Fitzgerald was. Whereas Fitzgerald was always rumored as like, oh, he's that next guy who's going to take the step, next guy that's going to take the step. And he was like, I'm never going to leave. I'm stuck here. Like, this is my alma mater. I want to be here. David Braun doesn't have that. This is just the first opportunity that somebody gave him um, to be a head coach, and he was successful with it. So does he take this as a jumping off point to really, you know, get to that next level of competition and be a defensive coordinator somewhere? Kirk Ferentz? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like 83 signed his contract <laughs> you should have jumped already uh no i think i think that's a good thought i didn't think of david yeah. braun you're right that, that is that good would be more yeah. down the line but what were you saying justin no that's a good point I, yeah because like he said it's one northwestern's one of the universities that they're probably not going to be able to pony up the bucks to keep him from the nfl and you know with the with the way it is today it's what have you done for me lately if he comes out and springs together two good seasons in northwestern when we were expecting him to be in the crapper you know after fitzgerald then who knows he could he could land a contract on his table i agree i agree uh we do have a couple comments i want to get to from our friend sunny here oh sunny god must not. Uh, and then he also mentioned to you in the other yeah, one your his best friend Justin. He says Justin has me convinced Nebraska is going fifteen and zero the you next the off- two seasons. You got with the off- two season. national championships, huh. and that tells me the NFL is going to come calling again. I think what I told him is we're going to go fifteen and zero combined over the next two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Our, no, no, fifteen wins combined over the next season. Sorry, oh, okay. fifteen wins combined. I was like, how do you go fifteen and oh two? No, seasons? no, yeah. I'm drinking the off season Kool Aid as I always do. Man, come on. He's still too so yeah, a, a little, little too much at this point. But yeah. I, you know, the Rayola news really put me over the top. I was already riding high going into the off season, and that just, yeah, it's just been flowing over here. Yeah. Sonny's yeah. an Illinois fan, so we did. He's mad because we didn't mention Bielema and the uh, potential, you know, coach is gone or Illinois <laughs> the, uh, in the anywhere in the uh, episode at all because they're irrelevant. <laughs> I can't decide if people would like it or dislike it if we mention their coach's name in the NFL part. Because, like, for me, I'm like, okay, that'd be cool. Like, Ryan Day. Like, obviously, I don't want Ryan Day to leave because I, I like Ryan Day, unlike yeah. most of Ohio State fans. But, um, but I, you know, I don't want him to leave, but I right. think that's good recognition that he's good, like a good coach and could go to the NFL. But yeah. I could see somebody commenting on this video and being like, you guys – Really think Chip Kelly's gonna leave? You guys are stupid. UCLA, he loves UCLA. Yeah. Think about it, and it's like, okay, yeah. If you said that about Matt Rule, we'd probably do that. But 
Matt Rule went on McAfee's show and basically said he's a college guy and he knows that now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think anybody would turn into a college guy if they went to the Panthers because. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think I think Bryce Young's trying to enter the transfer portal right now. <laughs> yeah, that too. And he's like, "Oh, there's not one up here." <laughs> uh, Sunday says, "I wonder if PJ would ever have oh, that God. itch. He's into himself enough. I don't think the PJ NFL is into PJ enough. PJ, <laughs> his 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 oar to his little rowboat has lost somewhere. Let's just leave him alone out there. I Minnesota wants him out. Yeah, I would I pay would money to see the hard knocks of PJ Flick uh, in charge of an NFL team. I would have loved to see him go to Michigan." That would be great. <laughs> I don't know how the odds are f- there for him. I mentioned him in one of my tweets, and I got so much pushback. And I was like, "Guys, he's in the odds. Like, it's Vegas. Put him in there. Like, <laughs> yeah." Uh, I'm just telling you what the odds are. Don't get yeah. mad at me that I put him in there because, like, what am I supposed to do? Just take people out of the odds if I think it seems stupid? <laughs> yeah. Then people are gonna be like, "Well, PJ Fleck was in there. Yeah, PJ Fleck's in the odds, dude. What are you putting?" Then Minnesota is gonna be coming for you then. All right. Well, we're losing viewers, so we might as well end it here, I guess. So uh, thanks, guys, for coming on for this uh, Nebraska edition of the Big Ten Huddle. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, our Nebraska guys. Uh, But yeah, appreciate you all. Uh, Let us know what you think in the comments. Let us know. Uh, Certain segments like the conference expansion. Do you guys like that kind of stuff? If you do, let us know. Uh, We'll do some more stuff on that in the offseason. But we're here in the offseason with you. We're not going to stop. We're not going to. Uh, do anything like that. We'll probably have one show a week and uh, just go over news and notes and stuff like that toward August, July. We'll probably get into like some uh, conference predictions and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, go ahead and uh, let us know. We got a one final thought before we head out of here from right. uh, J soul. And right. I'll even say it guys. I'll even say it. Go big red. All right. Go big red. <laughs> go big red. <laughs> See you guys.